I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey guys, this is Kim. Uh, I just wanted to do a quick intro to this video since uh, Shanti and I were so excited on our Skype call. We didn't really like introduce ourselves or give any much context. Not that that much was needed. It was a pretty fun conversation. And um, as you'll see, we got through a lot of uh, material and a lot of history on how much we love Tom Petty. But um, we got introduced by a mutual friend, Rayel. Shout outs to Rayel. What a babe. Um, thank you for introducing us. She um, kind of learned inadvertently that we both really, really love Tom Petty, which is kind of, I mean, not every person that you come across loves loves Tom Petty or even could, could name a Tom Petty song. So to find uh, someone like exactly my age who really loves Tom Petty as much as I do was um, quite a treat for me. So uh, Shanti and I decided to jump on Skype and have a conversation about it um, after just being sort of friends on Facebook for a while and um, chatting here and there. We are going to eventually meet in person, which will be super fun. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to, to have a conversation and chat um, so we could put it on each of our shows. Shanti has a podcast called Muses and Stuff, which is very unique, actually. I really love what they're, the message that they're trying to send. Um, go out, please go over and check out her stuff. And uh, I also recently started a podcast and a YouTube channel with uh, my friend Pasquale and it's about music and songwriting so um, yeah hope you guys will check out both of our podcasts and have a listen and uh, we'll be chasing this episode up with way more stuff on Tom Petty on both of our channels. So this is our conversation on Skype from last Saturday night and I hope you enjoy it.
thing was because of the traveling Wilburys because my my dad and my sister's first husband like loved the tra- traveling Wilburys. They had this DVD that every time we had like a family gathering, we would all be just like hammered by the end of it, and they would put that DVD on at the end, and like everyone would pass out. But they would watch that, and they would be like dancing around the living room, and I just remember Petty was like the blonde one from that. And then um, it wasn't until like last year. I guess it was maybe when they put the documentary on Netflix. Something amazing is happening. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, he's like, do you know who Tom Petty is? And I was like, uh, sort of. And he was like, well, there's there's a documentary on Netflix. He's like, it's four hours long. I just started it. He's like, this guy is fucking hilarious. He like doesn't mean to be hilarious. Like you know how he talks in the first like little. It's probably like the first ten minutes or something. But he's like, you've got to like. And I just came. I came home and we started watching it. And I just died. And I think I watched it like every weekend like from start to finish for like the next four weeks and I was like there's something in this that just spoke to me it was something about all of it the whole story and I think I spent probably six months just listening to Tom Petty I didn't listen to a single other thing because there was like so much music to get through I like was fascinated I knew all of the songs that everybody knows of them but I went through like from all of the early stuff I went through um I think I probably started, like, with the bigger ones. I Googled, like, which ones are the most, like, well-known. So I started, like, down the torpedoes and stuff like that. And then I went back and then I went all the way forward and I listened to all the Mudcrutch stuff and I read, like... I like a... how you just went and started listening to Mudcrutch. Well, oh, the Mudcrutch By the way, by the way I, I have to let you know, um, you said Tom Petty and I hit record just in case. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I'm going to... I was planning on covering that anyway. <laughs> okay. Because I but, wasn't um... sure... Yeah, I wasn't sure if... Um... <laughs> I wanted to hear this, like, I wanted to hear your Tom Petty story yeah. so badly because I've been, I've been refraining from asking you. It will be better the first time I say it as well. Like, if I have to say it again, it won't be as good. But um, I listened, yeah, I listened back through to, to absolutely everything. And actually, I really love the Mud Crutch stuff, like the two albums that they put out in the last few years, I guess. Yeah. Crystal River, who does stuff like that now? It's like nine minutes long. Like, yeah. This is what I'm, we haven't talked about this on my podcast yet, but we're going to, I think, when we interview Pasquale's producer. But there's something that I call floor me music when a song comes on and you're just like, I could be a, a brain surgeon right now doing surgery, but I would have to put down my instruments and just lay on the floor and just be like, this song, like, I can't do a single other thing while this song, like, it just takes over you and you can't, it like, renders you like you have to just give yourself to the music. You just, like, floor me music. Like, so many times lately songs have come on and I'm like, what, it's another one. Like, so, yeah, that Crystal River was one of those for me and um, I'm just fascinated by their story. And when I was in, it's funny, like, when I was in Antigua, I read, I don't know if you've read this one, um, Conversations with Tom Petty. I don't know who it's by. Um... Is it's it not a recent one. Is it okay? I was gonna say, is it the recent one that uh, talks about his like yeah that talks about his heroin addiction? No, that one was by Warren Zanes. That okay. one was just called Petty. I read that. That was the first one I read. I may have read one other one, but I found this one because I was particularly interested in his songwriting stuff because that's what I was interested in. So I was mm. like, I just was like, what other books can I read about Petty? It's fascinating. Yeah, and this I is like how on one of your episodes you mentioned. <laughs> how when of course he get he gets asked like where does it come from and he's yeah. just like I don't know just like comes out of the sky if I had the he's, answer yeah. to that then no I'm, he I'm says, he I says I hesitate to try to understand it for fear yeah. that it will go away and it's true like like 
these things like the one and the, and then the one that I quoted my own lyric like um, heavy feathers weigh me down on a bird beneath the crown like there's some of the weird lines that have just come out of nowhere that I've been like whoa like and I've run to my notebook and write them down I'm like you don't know where it comes from and the the thing is like some people are like oh does a song like the got one of my buddies I brought him to the songwriting workshop because I was like you're gonna love this and he was just like confused he's like but like he just sees this he thinks that people sit down to write a song and they write the whole song. It's like, no, I have two lines and they sound great and I'm just going to someday later come back to them and then it's going to keep going. Or if you get one line, you might think, okay, it's just one line, but you, you sit and you be with it and you think about it. Just For me, they just kept going after that. Like Whether it's in the moment, whether they keep going or whether I come back to it later to, to have a look and see if anything else comes. But it's very weird and a lot of other people have said the same thing that he says. Like It's like there's this weird connection to something else like, but nobody knows what the something else is i like the story with uh the song the waiting where he just had the i love yeah. that story he tells it so yeah, well he's like over and over again <laughs> yeah people are probably in the next room going shut up or whatever yeah um so yeah. i have to tell you a story that happened to me on thursday night like i have this whole long story it was one thing after another on Thursday night and the whole like story as a whole is incredible but I'm just gonna tell you this one snippet of the night so I was at uh this venue called the Silver Dollar to see hey. this guy named Julian Barbagallo I think that's how you pronounce it but he's the drummer in Tame Impala and he oh, wow. has his own thing going on and it was it was great I went on a com like I bought the tickets on a complete whim yeah. Not knowing what to expect at all. It was all French. It was amazing. Okay. There was him on drums singing, this amazing, beautiful woman on bass, this guy on like synth keys, and then a guy on the acoustic guitar. And it just worked. It worked. Wow. But we were outside. We were just like outside having an air break. And um, I'm with my friend. And we're just chatting and then we hear this group of people just kind of towards the door and the one guy's going who needs four discs of Tom Petty who needs four hours and then my friend goes did you hear what he just and I'm already taken off like I gone. crash into the circle and I'm like I'll tell you who needs four hours of Tom Petty and running down and dream four and all his friends all pardon Forty years, like so. All of his friends look at me, and they're like, "Oh, like yeah, yeah." What's she gonna say? What's she gonna say? And so I start, I start talking, and then the guy gets like really big and like, oh like tall. Like one of those he, Japanese owls. Like. <laughs> and he does not let me talk. He's just like, "What do you gotta need four hours of Tom Petty for? <laughs> like that guy doesn't even do do do." Uh, and I don't even, he was just like talking at me. So I just was taking like a deep breath, waiting for him to just like, I was going to let him say what he needed to say. And then I was going to come at him. Right. Yeah. Because now that I was there, I was just like, okay, what does he have to say? So I'm just like looking at his friends. And then, so when I started like, well, he starts cutting me off again. And then, so I'm just like, I look at his friends. I'm like such a good thing that you know I do yoga because otherwise I would have completely lost my shit on your friend already 
And I was like, there's no convincing him. He's still talking. He's still talking over me, not even giving me a, a, like a, a, a second. So I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Because at first, at first I approached it as a joke, like, it's like, oh, I'll tell you. And then I was like, ready to like, give them a good spiel, you know, about like, people like us, mm-hmm. you know, these like, amazing babes who have great taste in music, who, I mean, who have uh, followed this he, band. How do you think he would feel if he knew that he had like, Influ- like inspired people our age like, like his like body a- of work people who watch it over and over you know what give me six discs yeah I was and like I would have watched that, that a million times over and over again but the guy wasn't letting me letting me talk at all so I just like looked at his friends and I was just like I gotta go like I can't be involved in this if if I'm not allowed to speak so yeah. I just like and by that point I was getting a bit like frustrated so I just left went back to my friend and then, like, a few minutes later, <laughs> the friends the friends from the group, not including this guy, came over to me, and they were like, let's continue this conversation. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm like, obviously, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I really, like, I really figured out, like, my dedication to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers that night because I was just like, what? Like, I wasn't, I didn't even think about it. Wasn't it wasn't even a thought. It, was it like, wasn't even a thought. But, I mean, you were, you were there with me. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, you were in my mind for sure. I understand it because, like, I, like, when I went back home in October, I, um, I bought my dad the DVD, like, of that and gave it to him. And I, like, my brother was getting married, but we had, like, all the morning to kill of the wedding. We had to get dressed up and have our photos taken. And then we had, like two hours until the ceremony so we're all like dressed up with nowhere to go I was like dad we're gonna put on the documentary it's gonna be great so like me and my brother-in-law and my dad and we were like sitting there watching it and it's just sometimes I find it sad when you have to try to like oh like watch this bit like stop talking and like people just don't appreciate like they just they don't understand and they don't I hate trying to push it on people but yeah that's why I'm like so glad I finally found something that I actually understand oh yeah this is I can't wait to watch it with you um, so I, I've been watching it like since I've been watching it since it came out. So when I was in university, I would, um, I have in the past, if a guy wanted to go home with me and like, I wasn't sure, or if I wanted him oh to go home God. with me Is or whatever, I'd be like, pardon me. Is it a test that they do? No, not exactly. Oh, I have tested people. <laughs> On, on knowing the names of the members of the Traveling Mulberries. Okay. I was like, That's if you can name all fine members, then yes, I will marry you. I just can't, I just can never remember that other guy. The, Jeff the... Lynn. Wait, which one? Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn. From Yellow, Jeff and he produced Lynn. a bunch of petty okay. stuff. So, yeah. Roy Orbison, <laughs> George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn. He's just not like he's just really not on the level of the other guys. Like I know he's very talented as well, but he's just his profile just wasn't the same as the other guys, you know. So yeah, I, just I guess it depends play. on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I yeah. Um, taking guys home, being like, oh, yeah, yeah. "Do you want to go watch Running Down a Dream?" And then by the second disc, they're like, so is this gonna, like, are we, is something gonna happen here? And I was like, no, we're actually just gonna watch the rest of this documentary. (laughs) And so sometimes I'd stay and watch and be like, I gotta, I gotta go or like, I gotta leave in town or whatever. I should appreciate, like, (laughs) 
I don't understand people who don't appreciate it. Do you want to hear my Tom Petty and Heartbreaker story? Like how I started listening to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and you said that you came, like, you really started becoming a fan when you saw Running Down a Dream? Yeah, because I, I like, just knew of them. I knew, like, American Girl, and I knew a okay. bunch of their songs, right. but I, and I knew of, like, him being in the Traveling Wilburys, but I didn't really know much about the band. And, like, Breakdown, like, sometime before that, and I, I remember hearing Breakdown and being like, this song is really good, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, and I was just like... I mean, I don't really know them, but it's a good song. And then I after the documentary, like, I had to connect with the story and then the music. Yeah, for sure. I like when people call them Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because Tom Petty is, yeah. Like, he's got a couple of amazing solo albums for sure. Like, Wildflowers is one of my favorite. Full Moon Fever is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and those guys have been around for the 41 years that the Heartbreakers have. But I was ref- I was reflecting on when I first heard Tom Petty for the first time ever in my life, and I can remember, like, the day, the time, the location, when I heard Tom Petty uh, and the Heartbreakers for the first time, and then I kind of went into a bit of a, like, a, like onion layer unpeeling. Exactly like I did, yeah. So essentially, um, I was at my house in uh, where, where I lived called Naughton, and yeah. I was with my dad and my brother and my cousin. So I was almost six years old. I was a month away uh, from turning six, or I was, or I was six because... Um, Mary Jane's Last Dance and Tom Petty's Greatest and the Heartbreakers' Greatest Hits came out in 1993, December 1993. So possibly when I heard it, it might have been January, it might have been December, but it was either 93 or 94, which would have made me five or six. And, uh, yeah, so my brother was a couple years older than me. My older cousin was, like, probably 12. And then my dad was in his 30s, like, in his young 30s. He was, like, 33. Which is really interesting because I was surrounded by, like, all of these men at, like, different ages. And um, I always kind of had a bit of a crush on my cousin, as you do when you're, like, five and six years old. When you're, like, you're not my brother, so, like, I, like, so you're, but you're a boy who's around a lot that's really cute. But, like, I know that you're my family, so it's just, like, oh, nothing, nothing crazy. Um... And then, like, my dad, who at that time is now the age of, like, men that I that I date. Really? Like, it's, it's just kind of, it's just kind of interesting. And so the song that I heard, it was on the radio, was Mary Jane's Last Dance. And the lyrics in particular that I remember just going, like, like, having some feelings for, um... Uh, looking down, sexy looking down from the hotel room. Nightfall will be coming soon. Oh yeah. my my! Oh hell yes! You yeah. got to put on that party dress, and then like um, you know, uh, she's standing in her underwear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, looking down from the hotel room. So yeah, like those kind of like images, those kind of like lyrics, the the way that the song is kind of sexy, like hearing it with like uh, like those guys and singing it with them, like having them sing it to me, like you know. But it was just like innocent, like it's on the radio. We all love Tom Petty. That was the first time I heard Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. 
Mm-hmm. And then I didn't really, like, from then on, I wasn't, like, a diehard fan being like, put on Tom Petty. Like, no. <laughs> but, like, I'm sure that my dad, like, listened to that album and might have been on, and I'm sure I heard other yeah. songs from that. But then it wasn't until I was in university again when I started collecting records and, you know, I started getting the oldies. I wanted like the Led Zeppelin and Joni Mitchell and then some Tom Petty came in there and then I kind of mm-hmm. rediscovered my love for Petty. So I was super into the Stones and kind of obsessed with them for a little while and obsessed with Tom Petty. But uh, even though like I really like the Rolling Stones, like I don't like their body of work and I don't love their body of work and I don't feel a connection to that as I do with like uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And it's kind of rare to like for people our age to really like them. That's what I find interesting. Yeah. Like I, it sounds like we're roughly the same age. I was I was in 93 or 94. I was, like, starting primary school, so I was, like, six. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm sure that my parents played it as well when I was younger, but I just – I didn't – you know, I didn't even, like – I can't say that I liked rock music until I went – had to go through that petty phase. And it was a hardcore phase. I literally didn't listen to anything else for six months straight. Yeah. Um, because I just – I went through and I fell in love. Like, um, I actually have the record of um, – Long After Dark? No. The one that's got a red, the other one with a red cover that's got, um... Oh, yeah. Change of Heart. It's got, um, what is it? It's, like, literally in my room. I don't listen to that one as... Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Look, on my phone right here, too. Yeah. That's a nice cover. So, yeah, the hit, the hit, or single, or whatever, is You Got Lucky. You Got Lucky. Yeah, it's gonna. That's gonna be going on on the episode that we do when we talk about. Um, I'm not sure what the number is yet, but X reasons why Tom Petty is badass. I mean, like, just also just look at that face. Oh, I love his face <laughs> so much. I love his uh, face so much. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, all of the all the stuff. I it's love all, all of them. Like, like, let's look at the back of that. Let's look at the back of that for a second. Let's look at all of their faces. Oh, Howie. oh, Howie's there. Look at Benmont. <laughs> Look at Mike. Mike's facial expression is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I this one I, I particularly like connected with quite well. I really like Hard Promises a lot. Oh, like, Hard Promises is great. But, you know, we were talking about the thing with Stevie Nicks. Like, I, I, from what I can glean from what I've, without looking into it, just from the different various media that I've seen, I've got her book on my Kindle that I want to read. Um, but I think it was all very one-sided from Stevie's side. I think he enjoyed singing with her, and I think he thought she was great, but I just don't think he returned the same feelings she did. That's my... I think think you might be right. Um, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that Stevie Nicks has a book. Um, yeah, and she I'm, has a documentary too. I'm gonna look into that immediately. I have so many books that I have on the go right now, which is not a bad thing. But Same. I've been I've been actually tonight going back and forth between the Bhagavad Gita and the Sex Girl. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just the I'm, book that I have, yeah, Stevie Nicks. I don't think it's new though. Visions, dreams, and it's like trying to load itself. I think it might be an older book, but. I'm going to have a woman on the podcast who I'm pretty sure did some, like, psychic readings for Stevie Nicks. She was well, like, yeah, she's like this, a psychic reader to celebrities and has all of her on your show? stories. She's going to come on my show, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. When? 
Probably in April. Amazing. We are like booked up all this month, so I think we'll schedule her sometime in in April. That's amazing. But it's hard to choose a favorite Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers album. Like somebody asked me that on a podcast. But I mean, I feel like we could go through every single album, which we probably should. Like, not tonight, but I think we should probably get together and look through every single one and be like, oh, yep, amazing. So, like, even his first one, 1976, Rockin' Around With You, Breakdown, Anything That's Rock and Roll, Fool Again, love- Mystery Man, Luna, American Girl. I love Magnolia. Magnolia's on that one, right? Oh, yeah, that one's so good. That song just, like, got me. Uh, it's not on that one, though. Oh, it's, it's on the second one, then? It's on the second one. It's on uh, You're Gonna Get It. Yeah. Which is also a great album. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it, baby. I really loved the first two albums a lot. I didn't listen to them straight away. I did. I don't think I did it in chronological order. But once I got, okay. I got through "Damn the Torpedoes" and "Hard Promises," I was like, okay, I need to go back to the beginning and like get, just get in there. And then, um, I obviously I didn't like the one from the eighties. <laughs> Echo. <laughs> like, nobody likes that one. Echo. Not Echo. Um, let me open my Spotify. No, it's like, it's the one that's... Southern Accents? Do, 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 do. Um. So like, just because I love Tom Petty so much, and I've got pictures of him everywhere, and I think about him a lot, um, I, I still don't know, like, by heart, every single song of every oh, single record. Oh, song that I was just singing, this tune to is You're Jamming Me. So the oh, album that has that on it, that has the most Jamming me. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, he talks about it in the documentary. He's like, we didn't, we really weren't feeling that album. Like, we shouldn't have done it. It was shit. Like, yeah. It's like you can tell. But, you know, Southern Accents isn't on Spotify, and that's where I've been listening to um, everything. For some reason, just whoever, like, published whoever was the publisher just, of that like, one. Did. have them all. Yeah. Music. And then I have them on, on vinyl. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I like some of these, like, old like some of his stuff that's just sort of like the older stuff the not older stuff but I don't even know because he's like the stuff that he's doing now is new but it's older compared to the <laughs> first one but um you know there's that one song that he has called Swingin' and she went down I need to find my list like where is it though hang on I think it might be Swingin'. on my podcast okay Swingin' is one of my like yeah the story that he tells in that song is like amazing yeah yeah okay you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it, baby, you're gonna get it. Where do I put it? Like, Do you have a shrine or anything? Do you have pictures up? Do you, like... Yeah, I, that's what I said. I sent you a photo. I thought I sent you a photo. Um, I have the, um... When I joined the fan... I joined the fan club so I could try to get good tickets when they're coming to Canada. And then somehow I managed to get, like, a poster sent out. I don't know if I bought... I can't remember if I bought it or if I, like, actually got just got it for free but it's like a big poster of them like now which so like uh what's his name you know the guy that's in the band now that's like he, he plays like every instrument and he's like got the cutest face like what's his name scott scott thurston mm, no don't know okay he's in he's in the band now and um like i i seriously don't know so i know that my my songs were i think i said that my favorite album was wildflowers mm. I have so many lists everywhere. But can you consider? But so then that'll be your favorite Tom Petty album because that's not a Heartbreakers album. Okay, so my favorite Heartbreakers album would be Hard Promises. Oh, oh, okay. Um, because I mean, 
down the torpedoes. Like, if I had a gun to my head, I would obviously say down the torpedoes. But uh, yeah, promises, it's almost like, like if you tell people that you're a Tom Petty fan and then you tell them that Damn the Torpedoes <laughs> is your favorite album, they're kind of like, mm, really? Hey, you're, not real, you're not a real Tom Petty so fan. So cliche. I, I really like, I, I guess I like the second album and I like Hard Promises. And yeah, for Petty's, like, solo stuff, Wildflowers. Yeah. Um, because it's the same thing. If you if you like if you know that Petty has solo work and you said Moonfigure is your favorite, you're you're just not you're still you're you're failing the same test. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like swinging. I like um I, I do like some of the stuff on um, Into the Great Wide Open. Like I didn't like it at first, but then I was like some of that guitar like wah wah like. I do like that stuff. Um, and have you listened to Full Moon Fever? Yeah, I've definitely listened to Full Moon Fever. That's probably the one that I had heard most songs off from being a non-petty fan before, like just a regular person. <laughs> I used to have a tape of it when I used to drive to high school in grade 12. That's what I listened to every day on the way to and from school. But I haven't but, listened to it in, in a very long time, and tomorrow is the full moon, my dear. So oh my you should probably listen to Full Moon Fever I'm going to send you some uh, some special things to do for tomorrow night and we'll yeah. have our full moon ceremony. And so for yeah. people who are listening to this, which for me is going to, I think, become a, a mini a mini episode, um, they can they can do the full moon ritual as well. And what it is, it's just uh, like a cleansing because when you, it's the full moon, we're getting into this like really, really high energy and then we're going to release a whole bunch of stuff. You can like write anything down that you want to sort of get rid of or anything that you're finished with. And then we're, then you burn it. Go outside, just, just burn it. Um, and then you can do a smudge or anything like that. Uh, like safely burn it. I've done it before. Just a little piece of paper. Just be safe about it. And uh, just release a whole bunch of stuff. And then when the new moon comes along, then that's the time for a whole bunch of manifestation and things like that. Amazing. Yeah. Well, oh, since we're talking about moons, it kind of leads into the the song that I think if I had to choose one would be my favorite is Casadega. I can't think of it at the top of my head. I mean, yeah, I just have to, I'll go listen to it after. Oh, yeah. this is such a good burn. Glad we got to share our heartbreaker stories. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery, following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. 
steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica. The heresies of Rudolf Berntwein have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.